Welcome to St. Alphonsus Wellcast, the podcast where we explore the many facets of health and well-being. This podcast is brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Well-Being and a generous grant from the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the St. Alphonsus Wellcast. My name is Amy James. I am a registered dietitian, and today we've brought back Valerie Lawrence. She's another dietitian. Say hi, Val. Hi. And we also have Candy Zapia back. Hello. And we also are introducing our brand new dietitian to our team, Gabrielle Bubar. Hello, Gabrielle. Hello. Hi. Uh, we are so excited to welcome Gabrielle to our team, um, and we are excited to introduce our podcast crew to her as well. Uh, so today we are continuing our series on type 2 diabetes, and today we're going to cover the importance of exercise. So Val, why don't you start us off with a little bit about some tips for those who have type 1 and type 2 and how to implement exercise safely? Okay, so yeah, I think what you're talking about then is lows, right? You're yeah. concerned about what if there is a low. Uh, so for one thing, I want to start with two safety warnings, and that is for type 1 or for type 2. But for type 1, you absolutely want to have an identifier on you of some kind. There are ID bracelets, and um, you could have an ID bracelet on, you could have a necklace on, a note of something like a note in your pocket for in case you have an emergency responder. If you get a low, which is characterized as under 70, um, uh, blood, blood sugar of under 70, then you can feel shaky, sweaty, nervous, irritable. You can feel uh, confused, dizzy, lightheaded. Am I missing anything, ladies? Sounds like you got them yeah. all. Yeah, okay. those are the, the first... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so those, and then you might faint. So this is not to scare you, but to say that this is a real thing. If you if you run out of the ability to put sugar into your cells, your body runs out of energy, and you can faint. This actually happened to a client of mine. Uh, she took her insulin prior. This is for type one again. I just wanted to point that out. She took her insulin prior to a lunch that she didn't end up eating because it was too spicy. And she didn't think about it, but she went on about her day and uh, went to go walking around what we call the island in Emmett. And so she went walking around the island, and she didn't have candy on her. She didn't have an identify on her. She Some strangers found her and called EMS. She got taken to the hospital. She was 43, I think, was her number. So oh. scary. So very low. Um, but she could have prevented that by feeling one of those symptoms and then having a juice box or three hard candies or whatever sitting down. Important if you feel any of those things coming on, sitting down, asking for help. Go with a friend. That's another good good uh, tip. Uh, so have have your blood sugar figured out. It's not a bad idea to test your blood sugar prior to exercising and for whether you're type 1 or type 2. But for type 2, exercising can be a great way to manage your blood sugar. Uh, in fact, walking after your meal for 10 minutes is sometimes all you need to help keep those highs from happening. Uh, you're also okay to start exercising in the morning on an empty stomach as a type 2. Um, then refueling when you get home. 
Uh, so let's say it's 30 minutes or so. You should be able to handle 30 minutes of exercise because in the morning your sugars are higher than at other times of the day, most generally. And I know for, for people especially, um, you know, for our folks with type 2 diabetes who are insulin dependent, I think it's important to note that you should also take the same precautions um, as people with type 1 diabetes, especially if your regimen has you taking insulin in the morning, that you definitely don't want to uh, work out taking insulin and fasted. That's not a good idea. Yes. Um, great point. Yes. And then Val, you were also going to talk about a little bit about the rule of 15. Yeah. So the rule of 15 is, let's say you test and you find that you're under 70. Well, the next thing to do is to find a simple carbohydrate. And that carbohydrate can be one piece of fruit. That's 15 grams. So the rule of 15 is do 15 grams of carbs, wait 15 minutes, test again, if you're not going north of 70, if you're not um, 15, say, up, then have another 15 and grams of carbs and then wait 15 minutes, test again. When you're out of the woods, then you want to take something in that's going to be sustained energy. It could even be a mini-sized Snickers bar, a piece of toast with some peanut butter on it, something that has some fat, protein, and a carb with it so you've got sustained energy over the long run and you don't go low again. So you guys heard it here first. You can have Snickers. (laughs) 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 Okay, that is great. Um, And then also to mention... um, Uh, For those with type 2 diabetes who are not insulin dependent, um, the research states that your likelihood of experiencing a hypoglycemic event after exercise is pretty low. Um, And so, yes, like Val said, it is is relatively safe. Um, Okay, so let's get a little bit in the weeds uh, as to what happens when we're exercising. Um, And this this pertains to to those without uh, diabetes and then also I'll factor in like what happens with people with um, type 2 diabetes. We're going to get a little bit into the science here, a little bit into the exercise physiology. I am by no means an exercise physiologist, so I will do my best to explain this, and I hope you guys find it as fascinating as we do. Um, for us, So essentially what happens, um, the best thing I think that people with type 2 diabetes can take from exercise is that we see an increase in insulin sensitivity, and how exactly this happens is... so. We've talked about it before on this podcast. Um, What happens for people with type 2 diabetes is those receptors on your cells, which are responsible for responding to insulin to allow your cells to eat glucose, aka energy, that communication is a little bit interfered with. So we see when people start exercising, that receptor more of those pop up onto the surface of the cell, which means that communication is going to be a lot more clear. So you're going to see a lot more of your cells eating the energy, eating the glucose. So first and foremost, that is super important. When we first start exercising, we're actually using the stored sugar, the stored glucose in our muscles. And this is our muscle glycogen stores. However, that will soon, into your exercise, kind of go away. We deplete those stores pretty quickly. And so then your main source of fuel is the carbohydrate or the glucose in your blood. And that comes from what you eat. Uh, So what are the positive effects of that? So we see way better well-controlled 
well, that didn't really make any sense. Way better, well controlled. Yeah. <laughs> we see. That seemed very, very. <laughs> yeah. <Thank you>. Yes. <laughs> we see more um, uh, blood sugar values in an optimal range. Um, and then, not to get too much in the weeds here, but as you continue with your exercise and you go a little bit more like long distance, higher endurance, um, a little bit higher intensity, we actually see uh, your liver producing. Uh, uh, sugar, something that we call gluconeogenesis, from substrates that do not come from carbohydrates. Um, and so this is also why it's important to carry carbohydrate sources with you, especially if you're going to be doing something like long distance biking or, uh, you know, long distance running, anything that you're going to be doing for, let's say, you know, 60 minutes or greater, you're going to want to have that carbohydrate source because, again, that's going to be your immediate fuel source. Um, and Val, if you just want to kind of reiterate again what that might look like as far as, you know, your yeah. um, simple carbs and then making sure to have that fat and that protein. So if you start feeling any of those symptoms that we mentioned, sweaty, shaky, lightheaded, dizzy, uh, weak, any of those things, then you'll know that you're starting to hit the wall, right? You're, you're running out of energy. Your body is, is calling for energy that you don't have. So hopefully you have it on your bike, on your person in some way. So you've honey packets, sugar packets are super easy. Three hard candies. All of these are worth about 15 grams of carbohydrate. Um, a juice box is one of my favorite things uh, to say, you know, to suggest to people. Those four ounce juice boxes, 100% juice, just drink one of those and that should bring you up. And then have that other thing, the potentially the Snickers bar or mm -hmm. potentially <laughs> some nuts and a small fruit, some dried fruit. You can carry trail mix with you. That would be something that will sustain the longer oh, yeah. energy. Okay, great. So so we've talked a little bit about the, the exercise physiology and what exactly is happening at the at the liver, at the muscles, in your blood. Um, but, you know, the most important thing is what are the positive effects of exercise if you have type 2 diabetes? So um, we see a reduction in systolic blood pressure. We see potential for weight loss. And we know that for our folks with type 2 diabetes, uh, weight loss of about 7 to 10 percent of your body weight can drastically improve um, all of your lab, uh, your lab values, so your A1C, your blood sugar, um, and also uh, preventing any chronic conditions that happen alongside type 2 diabetes if it remains uncontrolled. Uh, we also see an improvement in lipid values, uh, preservation of lean body mass or your uh, muscle structure, potentially an increase in lean body mass. Um, and we know that both aerobic and resistance training can, you know, improve your insulin action, your blood glucose control, um, your fat oxidation. And that essentially means just how you mobilize fat in your body and use it for fuel. Um, and then also, again, storage in your muscle. So, all right. Now onto more exciting things. Uh, Gabrielle, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the exercise recommendations are? Sure, so I know you're probably wondering how much exercise do I need to do and what types of exercise? So the recommendations are 150 minutes per week of moderate to intense aerobic exercise or resistance training. And those 150 minutes can be broken up um, into any increments that work for you throughout the week. So you could do five days of 30 minutes a day or, you know, break it down into smaller increments, whatever works best. All right. And I know that something we were talking about before we started recording was this um, question of like what kind of exercise. So you mentioned um, aerobic exercise, but there are so many different types. So we have resistance training and we have some more low impact exercise like yoga and Tai Chi. Um, so Val or Gabrielle, um, what do we say to people who, you know, do like a very 
varied exercise workout regime? Like, what do we say for them? What do we recommend? So for variety, so or sorry, moderate to intense exercises, like she said, there's, you know, brisk walking, elliptical, stair stepper, biking, or there's the HIT, which I believe is high intensity interval training. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are all great options for the brisk walking to know that you're, um, you know, walking at a fast enough pace. You want to be able to talk. So if you're going with someone, you want to be able to talk with them, but you shouldn't be able to sing. So that way you know that you're, you're going at the pace that you need to be going. Um, and then it's recommended to do two to three days of those resistance training exercises. So those can be thought of just moving your body um, against gravity. So you could be doing push-ups, there's squats, resistant resistance bands, strength training with weights, you know, and if you don't have weights at home, you could use some um, soup cans or like a heavy book or any objects, you know, in your office. So it doesn't have to be something that you go purchase equipment to do. You can use things that you have at home. And then some additional recommendations are for those that are over the age of 60, um, we want to be doing two to three days of flexibility exercises as well, such as Tai Chi or is it Qigong? Mm -hmm. You pronounce that right? So those are two other um, exercises. Yoga. Yoga. Mm -hmm. Pilates is great as well. Um, So lots of, there's lots of opportunities. um, So you won't be stuck with just one exercise. You can add in lots of variety. Okay, now I know probably a lot of our listeners are like, Qigong, what is that? So <laughs> yeah, Val, what please, is that? please tell us. <laughs> Glad to. So <laughs> Qigong, uh, Qi means energy and Gong is exercise. So it's energy exercise. It's really about, you, you might have seen um, in films or whatever, uh, people outside exercising all together, moving in unison, slowly like waves. And that's what it looks like to me, too, is that you're moving in a wave-like fashion. Um, and Tai Chi is kind of a brother or a sister to Qigong. It's a, just the same thing, different uh, a way of expressing it. Awesome. Um, Val has taught me so much about alternative exercise oh, yes. that I would have never otherwise <laughs> known. Um, and it's great how much it can actually like center you and mm-hmm. does so much Very in the way centering. of yeah stress reduction, which we all know can contribute to um, everything that we're talking about. So that's oh, great. One more thing about Qigong yes. I wanted to say. So sometimes <laughs> people, you know, they'll, they'll say that they can't take impact mm-hmm. or they have bad knees yeah. or, you know, like for people who are having some serious mobility issues you can do your version of qigong and so that's what i love is it's friendly to everybody and there's no reason somebody couldn't do qigong i love that yeah sometimes when you try to recommend uh, weightlifting to people they're like "Mm, i don't know but there is so much else out there that you can do so many options candy has some suggestions were you going to ask her yeah candy let's do it (laughs) (laughs) so i love gamification in any way shape or form I'm competitive Mm -hmm. by nature and a fun way to get exercise in is by using some of these virtual reality things so if you guys have watched um, like there's these commercials for this oculus those of you who might have teenage kids probably know about this already um But it's this great way. It's like you're wearing these goggles. You're entering into this other dimension. And you are uh, my favorite one. And I looked up the name because I couldn't remember what it's (laughs) called is Beat Saber. And it is where you are trying to hit these virtual blocks that are coming at you to the beat of like 
rock songs or, you oh know, you gosh. can pick like your type of thing. And it is so fun. And I am sweating. For one, I'm competitive trying to beat whoever I'm playing with um, when we're taking turns or just to get through the song. So I think just um, there's lots of different options. There's, you know, the We Fit. I think that was one of the mm-hmm. first ones and things that came out. Um, there's this new ring thing. And I already forgot the name for that one, too. Ring Fit with a Switch. Ring Fit with a Switch. So if you happen to like that gamification or want something a little bit different, um, you know, there's those options as well. Those are fun things that you can do in your home. You can also do those with your kids. So um, instead of them just spending time with the PS4 or the Oculus or, you know, whatever Xbox, um, you can get involved too and get them up off the couch as well as you and kind of make it just like a fun family affair as well. Yeah, love that. And I think, you know, as we're kind of spitting out all of these recommendations, really the theme here is that, you know, our hope is that anybody can find something that they love. And I think when it comes to, not I think, I know, uh, when it comes to exercise and sticking to something, you know, you need to find something that excites you, that is fun, that doesn't seem like a job. Val, remind me, what do you say? I always mess up the saying. It's like something that you can be, like, dedicated to and not disciplined to do. I, oh, I, what yeah. is it? Devotion versus yes. discipline. Yes. So discipline is hard, but devotion we sail to, right? We're just so happy to to do something we are devoted to. We are devoted to a lot of causes external to ourselves. We're devoted to a lot of people in our lives we do anything for. But when it comes to taking care of ourselves, that's something that we need to do also is be devoted to how we take care of ourselves. And if you think about it as this is what I do because I love it and I love to take care of myself, it doesn't feel like a slog. It's not discipline. It's like, ugh, I have to do this thing Nobody was ever sorry they exercised, but it's hard to get going. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people put exercise in a really small box. Like, you know, it's going to look like 45 minutes at the gym on the electrical. It's like there are so many things out there. And, you know, we really live in a world with so many resources and and what we can do. And, And just to, you know, keep keep trucking along, even if, you know, you've attempted a few things and you're like, I just really don't jive with any of this, you know, just keep broadening your horizons, you know, keep listening to our podcast and, um, <laughs> and we'll give you uh, some great tips. All right. So before we move into our final section on implementation, I just kind of want to like sidestep and talk about um, sleep management and how exercise can really affect that. So just briefly, um, we do see a lot of uh, sleep issues or problems with sleep habits, habituation, um, as well as a lot of obstructive sleep apnea um, with our folks with type 2 diabetes. And so I just want to say that exercise fatigues the body, right? It kind of wears you out, um, makes you a little bit tired. And so it just physically drives you to desire sleep. So that can, you know, end up in um, uh, improved sleep quality and sleep quantity. Um, Keep a lookout for our future episode on sleep health, which will be coming out soon in the near future. (laughs) And I'll get more into the weeds about it. But really the thing that's happening here is um, if you are someone who struggles to sleep, uh, you know, even if you don't have type 2 diabetes, if you're waking up constantly and it's hard to fall asleep or if you have trouble falling asleep, we see this really inappropriate rise in cortisol. And cortisol is a stress hormone. And you can just think of this in the plainest way as like the anti-health uh, hormone. I mean, it really does help you in stressful situations, right? That like fight or flight response. Um, 
But the main thing here is that it actually inhibits insulin production. So again, when we see people who have a hard time sleeping, so every time you wake up, you have an inappropriate spike in cortisol. And so if that is happening and it's inhibiting that insulin production, we can see that um, <clears throat> that uh, more detrimental effect to your type 2 diabetes, or we see a little bit more um, of those uh, side effects happening and can make it a little bit harder to manage. So inflammation, exercise, drives the body to sleep. Hopefully you will be getting better sleep quality, better sleep quantity, more sleep. Um, so another reason that exercise can be really beneficial for you. All right. Okay. So we've heard a lot about, um, you know, what types of exercise, how much to get, um, what, how do we implement this? So, you know, everybody kind of can initially have a goal, like I'm going to exercise two to three times a week, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But really, you know, we've got the why, we've got the what, but how, how do we do this? Uh, Gabrielle, why don't you take this? Yeah, of course. So some simple kind of easy ways to start, because it can be daunting when you're looking at 150 minutes a week, are just to start low and slow. So find something that you like to do um, or something that you've wanted to try and make it fun and enjoyable. You don't want it to be, you know, something that you dread going to do during the day. So find something, like we've talked about all these options, something that you're interested in. Sign up for a class or I think it's helpful to have like an accountability buddy, have a friend or a family member that wants to maybe go on a walk with you or try out something new. Secondly, um, make a plan. So decide when, what, and how long you will exercise. Um, just like meal prepping or anything else we do in our life, um, we like to have a plan that keeps us accountable for things. So come up with a plan, decide when um, you'll do those different exercises, and that will help keep you accountable. And additionally, morning is usually a good time to um, do your exercise or your physical activity because that way you won't get to the end of the day and realize, oh, I didn't do anything today. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it typically it gets hectic. You're getting home from work and then there's a lot of responsibilities and things. So it's easy to start your day out with, you know, a, a walk or just doing some stretching or some yoga. And that way you can center yourself for the day. And even if you don't think that you have time, um, st it's still good to just try and do something, add in some placeholders throughout your day. Um, five minutes is better than nothing. And it's good to try and break up sitting or sed sedentary time throughout your day by standing up and moving your body like every 30 minutes and maybe just doing some stretches at your desk, doing a little lap around the office, just little breaks throughout the day is great. Um, some recommendations that Val had are for resources are Jeff Chand. Is, am I pronouncing that right? Yep. C-H-A-N-D. Chand. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, and then yoga He's with... for Qigong. Yes, for Qigong. There's yoga with Adrian and obviously yoga videos and then fitnessblender.com. And so those are all free... Um, on YouTube. Resources on YouTube. So mm -hmm. you can watch those to do some guided um, classes. Um, so yeah, if nothing else, just walk for 10 minutes after each meal because you'll be utilizing that energy from the food that you just ate, which will blunt the rise of blood sugars. And so that's an easy and effective strategy to implement. And then also just doing those 10 minutes after each meal can help break up the, that exercise into small increments throughout the day. So it's not a daunting 30 minutes. You can do small increments. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that wraps up everything that we wanted to touch on with exercise. Does anybody have anything else that they'd like to, to throw in there? Yeah, I just want to say small changes lead yes. to big changes. Mm -hmm. yes. So uh, just do something and do it concurrently. Yeah. Even if it's once a day, even if it's just that 10 minute evening walk after your dinner. Um, I definitely agree. Low and slow. Start low and slow. 
All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in once again. um, We will check back with you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Alphonsus Wellcast, brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing and the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Always be sure to catch new episodes by subscribing to us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. We hope you'll tune in again. Until then, be well.